you've got a book all about civility, and it's got the rules of civility, and it also, uh, I believe, uh, references George Washington's rules of civility and how you can apply that to your life. Can we just talk about that for a little while? Because you know, I can't help but think that all of everything that you've taught, we've talked about so far, has led up to this formation of your expertise, global expertise, expert in civility and protocol. And you wrote the book on it. I did. And it was a labor of love. It took a long time to get it done. But uh, George Washington wrote these 110 rules of civility when he was about 16 years old. I think he was tra probably translating them. I know he was translating them from a from a French um, etiquette book, a, a, a sort of the nobles training manual, so to speak, how to be a noble. And um, and but the, it could have been just a writing exercise for him, but it seemed to it, it seemed to permeate a, a philosophy of life for him over time, over his lifetime. And so I took those rules and reorganized them into categories. I but because they're funny things. Sometimes it's like, what what is this really trying to get at, right? What are you trying to do? Is it just a, a rule of behavior? But and also ooh. written from the context of how they spoke and wrote in you know yes. seventeen fifty or whatever. Yes. Thou shalt not stand so close to a man so as to bedew a man with one spittle is my personal favorite. And, <laughs> and you know, it, it, it sounds funny, but it's kind of handy right in the COVID days as we don't yeah, want to. Yeah. Don't, don't, you know. don't speak moistly to people. <laughs> <laughs> I never, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, as my, as, as the prime minister of Canada gets, uh, whose first language is French said in English and has been made fun of ever since. Don't speak moistly. <laughs> that's a good, I love that. I hadn't heard it. So it's a, um, so I just sort of reanalyzed re them and said, okay, what are they really about, right? So that particular one has a pragmatic, practical implication because it can help stop spread germs through societies, you know, but it's also about respecting people's space. It's about respecting the other person um, that, you know, your own, the integrity of the individual there and so they all kind of boiled down to about four or five things trust respect honor humility duty tr you know those kinds of courtesy and so a lot of the rules that we have in society are are courtesy based and that's what most people think of as civility is manners right the but the the courtesy to somebody else the manners change with time with they are sort of more fluid in what is good manners is an evolutionary thing. So it used to be in the Western world, three feet apart is is sort of the standard for our body space. Or we would you just you you just grew. You don't even probably a lot of people don't even really realize that they just do it because that's sort of how you grow up. Now it's six feet, right? When when COVID hit, all of a sudden six feet was the standard, and that was the courteous distance. Okay, so it it's it's not inflexible. This this sort of manners world, but. Manners are just one pathway when they're kind of like the cars on a bridge, you know, they change, they look, they change with time, but they are the mechanism to get us from here to there and to connect the two sides of the, to connect between the two sides of a, a, a bridge or something that they're being held together. So that's about our societal fabric. So all of these aspects of things are really the most important, as far as I'm concerned, the most important aspects of civility, trust, respect, dignity, humility, courtesy, honor. And so I just went in a little bit deeper on each of those subjects and talked about it from George Washington's perspective, from his life, from my own personal life with some of these interesting people, and then other sharing experiences of other people to, to 
grow the examples of that. So it's kind of, it's a pretty quick read, but I'm just about to finish, and I'm very excited about it, a workbook um, that there'll be multiple tiers of this, but a workbook that if somebody wanted to do it themselves, they can just get the workbook and do it themselves. But also um, for a, you know, a seminar, th three hours, two days, or call it, we're working on it for a, a, the MBA program as a workplace, civility in the workplace. And all the exercises are built on neurobiology. So they're not, they're not, it's not just my opinion about how, how we should get along. It's about pragmatic, practical things you can do to create a practice of civility. It takes work and it's personal growth, emotional intelligence, learning communication skills, having hard conversations. It's all of those things wrapped mm -hmm. up into one. And for me, that's why the topic of civility is so important. It's not just how do we be nice to each other? It's, it's about how do we live together in society? And that's what civil worlds are. Yeah, I mean, you know, I talk to people about this all the time that, you know, the words we use are just a small fraction of what we are actually communicating. Like our body language, the way we frame ourselves, you know, the difference between a telephone call and a video and how much more connected you are, the way that you pay attention and the way you show interest, you know, space, humility, you know, there's... There's so much more to relationship and communication than the black and white facts of the world. You can be right, but be perceived in a way that is totally wrong. And I think learn. I mean, I, I love the. I love your phrase, the practice of civility, because it it, it says two things to me. One no matter how good you are at relationships and protocol, you can always be practicing learning and adapting to get better because it isn't rigid. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that it says is that you can start wherever you are and just work on it from your point of view and not from anyone else's progress so that you don't need to try to keep up with someone else who you perceive as you know, a great relationship communicator builder, you know, who's humil who has humility and trust and respect. You can start where you are and, you know, and always be growing towards it. And so I love the, the concept and the, the, the philosophy of pra the practice of civility. I think that that's make it means that everyone listening can start where they are and do it and work on it and, 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 and experience the benefits of it from how it'll enhance your life, your your relationships, the way, you're, and your, and ultimately, I think, as you get better at that, your your success in life and your joy in life will be way better. Because I believe you have another book or another <laughs> book that's coming yes. about the, the joy journey. And yes. tell me about that one, because I haven't had a chance to dive into that one yet. But just the the, the title itself attracts me in. So uh, about, yeah, so my middle name is Joy. And about yes. um, 10 years ago or so, I, I had just moved back to California. I was kind of in a funky place and I just wasn't overwhelmingly happy. Uh, I wasn't unhappy. I just, I was just in a funk and I was uh, in a beautiful place. I went to Greece for my friend's 50th birthday to celebrate her birthday. And I thought, why am I not happy? I mean, this is like, I'm in paradise, you know, what more could I ask for? You got to get a grip Shelby, because, you know, you got to find your joy, you know, and it really kind of went into the joy in the middle of everything and, and middle of my name, middle of my life, middle of everything and just stop and just, just 
embrace the, the positivity that's around you and the things that you can do and you can't control everything and just sort of have an understanding of that. So I just sort of embarked on what I call the joy journey. And it's that it's, again, it's a moving target. It's not a finite, it's not a destination. It's not like civility in the practice of it. It's not a answer A, B, and C or one, two, and three, and you're done. I mean, it's a, it's a something, it's a journey. It's an ongoing life quest and that you, you don't have to say, I will be happy when mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's, that's to me, that's why I chose joy and why the word joy resonates for me so much, because it just, you can find joy in the smallest of things, you know, having this conversation, I'm doing it in a place that I love to be the sunshine coming in through the window behind me brings me joy. Um, there, there's, it, it's about embracing those small moments as well as really celebrating the big ones mm -hmm. and marking all of those moments in one way or another. And all that does is it, it goes again to the, the chemistry in our brain mm -hmm. is it, it can, we can literally ignite joy in ourselves if we, if we are aware of how to do it. And that's basically small things like expressing gratitude and paying attention to the beautiful things in life and the small things and not always, you know, getting bogged down with the, with stuff that's not really not worth getting all that upset about. But it's, it's a practice too, because the other day I just, I looked at my assistant and I said, okay, I'm going to do something I never do. And I just like screamed out loud how frustrated I was at the, all of the hoops I had to get to just to turn, just to get into my bank accounts online with the authentication and the two. And I was like, this is maddening. And mm -hmm. so I could, I, that was getting to me because I'm human. But I just took a moment to express it. I said, this is nothing personal. I am just going to vent for a moment and then I'm going to get on because I don't want to live in this ugly place that I'm in at the moment. I'm just angry and frustrated. And so now, now it's time to take a breath and go do something and appreciate the world. And it really does change things when you stop yourself from getting just sucked into something that is a black hole of despair. And we have plenty of things that people want to help push us over the edge in that. And I'm just not going there with that. You know? I'm just not going to let them do it. They don't, they don't, I want to, I'm looking at the title of your podcast, the amplifier and saying, I want to amplify joy. I want joy to reverberate and civility to reverberate in this world. But the only way I can do that is by being the example, you know, Gandhi said, be the change. I can, the only way I can't force it on you. I can just be an example of it and invite you into that world and amplify it that way. I can't do it by force. That's right. You know, um, over the last 18 months or so, I've studied uh, behavior and behavior design and behavior change and, and the concept, the neurological concept of flow. All of it has a basis in emotionally celebrating things to create a different mental state. So um, you're in California. A, a friend, a mentor, and a teacher of mine is, is Dr. B.J. Fogg from Stanford. And he, I don't know if you know or met B.J., but his book on, his public book on, on it's called Tiny Habits. And then I, I've done a lot of work with him um, on, in private workshops. And his, all of his science around creating change, positive change in your life, creating habits that are good for you, they all have an emotional element that you can sort of hack that, those behaviors by instilling something at the end, what he calls shine. But it's a celebration, it's a joyful moment after you've completed a small thing. 
we've had lots of, you know, we've heard lots of sort of urban language around creating habits in 30 dimes and 30 days. But what, what BJ has found that you can, you can hack behavior and create better behaviors for yourself and even in your business and as an entrepreneur, design better successful processes for your people by instilling celebration at the end of an action. And that's like when you talk about joy, it instantly came to mind as the way that BJ talks about shine as a something that you add into intentional behaviors to create a habit faster. And it, it definitely, I do it all the time when I'm trying to create new behavior change for myself is I've found three or four things, a bodily movement. Like I just, I normally just do a fist pump after I finish a more intense workout that I've pushed myself on even though I'm exhausted. And somehow that instills me, okay, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And very quickly, it just becomes habit. Yes. And so there's definitely a ton of work um, on on the, the state of flow. And, and Stephen Cutler wrote a great book called The Art of the Impossible, where he talked about flow recently. But it all has to do with joy and finding joy, not in big, monumentous achievements in life, but like in... You know, finding joy because you cleaned your house, you know, for an hour. And, and, yeah. you know, and instead of being angry that it was a mess, find joy that you feel satisfaction that you did it. And so I, I, I think that that's a fantastic topic. And it really has a ton of uh, science behind the emotional connection between satisfaction in little things. Yes. Um, sure. And is this book out? Because I, I, I don't I think you're we're waiting for it. Right. When are you you're <laughs> It's, it's almost done. I put that aside because I was working on a couple of things at the same time. So I set that aside for a little bit, finished the civility book, got that out, and then launched a, a, a whole nother business uh, in the meantime. So, and also I, I, I wanted to have, even though I believe intrinsically that joy comes from within and that no physical um, things don't make us happy kind of philosophy. I also, I wanted to have a companion site when the book came out that had some things there that were sort of representative of joy. So products that say joy, I have coffee mugs and all that. I have some jewelry and things. And so that site actually got finished way before the book did. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's the joyjourney.life. And it's just all sorts. It's mostly geared towards women. But if you want a Valentine's present, it's probably a good place to go. And uh, it's uh, it's got lots of jewelry and fun stuff and things that say inspirational, you know, um, phrases that are around joy. What's the name of that website again? Because I got to get www.joyjourney.life, L-I-F-E. Joyjourney.life. I love yeah. that. So it's it's a you know it's a happy site. It's I celebrate the makers. Uh, I want to celebrate women entrepreneurs or any entrepreneurs that that do stuff, small business makers and things like that. So there's a lot of things in there that are um, personal friends of mine who have products, but also other other small businesses and and um, we just I just try to bring it together into a little happy little place. Things that I like. Basically, that's it. It's it's. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I don't put myself in the same category as Oprah, but it's my favorite things basically. And, and, and when is your book going to come out? Have you got a release date when you're going to publish it and where yeah. will people get it when you do? I would say probably around summertime. Summertime? Yep. And can you find it on Amazon or in local oh. bookstores or? 
Yeah, it'll be on Amazon. Yeah, we'll be it'll be posted there in the not too distant future for for pre-sale and uh, and we're, we're going to get it done. So I'm 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 working on that. I've got a book coming out on my grandfather coming out in the next two weeks mm-hmm. called Undaunted. I didn't write it, but my siblings and my my sisters and our cousins all came together to we hired a writer who was a novel writer and he took my grandfather's autobiography and wrote it into novel format. So it reads like a, an adventure novel but it's all true. And it's a fascinating story about the first man to attempt to solo around the world. It's called Undaunted, and that'll be out on Amazon in about two weeks. And his, you know, because I did some research on your grandfather this morning, his pilot's license was brought to the moon on Apollo 11, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so it's it, it's really symbolic. We have the pilot's license still. It's really symbolic of his where he spans the aviation history, which was uh, mm-hmm. t- technically he was part of the golden age of aviation, but his pilot's license was signed by Orville Wright because Orville was the head of the aviation designating wow. society at that time. And then he gave it to Neil Armstrong, who he was friends with because of all his, his, because of his history, he was friends with all these people. They, he was sort of their mentor, you know, they looked up right. to him. And so he gave it to Neil Armstrong and, and to, who took it to the moon and Buzz Aldrin signed it and Neil Armstrong signed it, Tranquility Base. And so, and my grandfather has it signed. So there's all these sort of, the, you know, these people who never met each other, Orville Wright and Neil Armstrong are on the same document uh, along with my grandfather. And it just is, to me, is really- Bridges the entire span of flight okay. to getting, yeah, to space. That's, From the first that's flight incredible. to the space age. That's and, um, and just the, the visionary aspect that my grandfather had, the, the entrepreneur that he was, the marketeer that he was, the guy who- dreamed big dreams and put them into into play is was is really inspirational for me and we want to put it out there in the world to remind people that there were people in this country who really helped move the world forward in their own ways and and to celebrate that spirit that's incredible that book's coming out next week yep yeah we're we're in the final final edit we are we had an hour and a half of our time booked and i've and we've burned through it do you have a few more minutes to talk about the school of entrepreneurship yeah, I'd love to. Okay, because, you know, this whole journey was the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was, like, I'm an entrepreneur, and I know tons and tons, hundreds of people who have gone to business school, who have got commerce degrees, who have got MBAs, and they they are not entrepreneurs. They, <laughs> they want to be cogs in the machine, and they want to be successful inside of corporate world or, or you know, and in, in those, and, and there's nothing wrong with that if you're wired that way, because you have to either know or discover that that's not you. I mean, for me, I spent 15 years of my life as an entrepreneur thinking that I was trying to climb the corporate ladder, realizing that I was on the wrong wall. And, <laughs> and then I switched to being an entrepreneur, and, and that's a different experience and a different life. But there's nowhere to go to be a professional entrepreneur, or at least that was my experience. So I found organizations and other entrepreneurial groups that I could participate in. But you've got the Global School of Entrepreneurship. Yes. Tell us about this, because this is really intriguing to me. Well, about uh, eight months ago now, it's been a year and a half in the making, but we, uh, four partners, four people came together we were part of a task force um, looking into the ability to create an MBA program for entrepreneurs and get it accredited, et cetera. 
um, kind of in conjunction with the Entrepreneurs Organization or EO, we were doing some research for them and we had it all kind of put together and COVID hit and the, the organization rightfully said, we have to put that on hold because we, you know, we've got other things to worry about. We've got to take care of our entrepreneurs and make sure they're going to survive through this, you know, and figure that out. And it's fine. But we said, you know, we've, we're ready to go. Do you mind if we take this and run with it? Because we think this could be a great opportunity. And they said, fine. So we, um, the four partners of state co-founders stayed involved and um, one of the co-founders and I are kind of operationally putting this in place. So last October, we had our first cohort begin. We have eight, eight to 10, 10 to 11 entrepreneurs in a cohort with a professor one year. They, they go through, we have distinguished guest lectures who come in almost every class. Um, it's via Zoom. We wanted to kind of bookend it so that we can onboard the cohort once COVID is behind us we can have them meet as a cohort at the beginning and then at the end for graduation to present their final projects to each other and to have that celebratory moment together mm -hmm. and in the meantime we've we've helped create a bond between this one cohort but as we grow as an organization multiple cohorts and multi we we want to harness the alumni of all of that and connect them together to have to have resources and best practices the point of the MBA it's a fully accredited MBA. The point of the MBA for this entrepreneur, at, for an entrepreneur, is not necessarily to get a raise in their, it, it is not to get a raise and to get a promotion in their business. It's just, it's, that's not the function of it. Whereas to your point, most MBA programs are built to build really strong middle managers in large companies. And those are big jobs and important jobs and necessary jobs. But the DNA of an entrepreneur doesn't really fit that. So they also, the schedule of an entrepreneur doesn't fit that. We can't take, if you're in your job, if you're working in your business, you can't take two years out to go to school to learn theory, even case studies that are supposed to be based on real life, which I appreciate the methodology. It is not real life. Mm -hmm. And it is still theoretical in a sense. And so it's very helpful because it's like learning a story and we remember stories better than a lot of things and facts and figures and models of things. But we have the intention of creating a, a very um, pragmatic, practical um, curriculum that is usable now, that the entrepreneur can then use the curriculum to work on their business while they're working in it, and to be able to scale and learn methodologies of scale and have resources and access to one another, to learn from one another and to share those experiences and to work through, hey, here's a we talked about uh, last night, we had a class and we talked about operating systems. So um, entrepreneurial operating system and scaling up. Yeah, are you an EOS guy? Yeah. Yep. And scaling up. I actually, I uh, watch, well, I've written a book, my book called Coaching Your Team. Oh, there you go. It talks about, it talks about uh, coaching your team, the leadership management and accountability missing link because LMA is an EOS sort of methodology, but I wanted to write a book that was specifically on teaching entrepreneurs a framework for how to coach that's different than teaching and accountability and a coaching mindset. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I, I literally just had, uh, we had our EOS quarterly with my team on, uh, on Monday. Yeah. So we, we went in deep on that yesterday in our class and that's not something you would learn in an, in a typical MBA course. No. 
we we have to we have there are certain things for accreditation you've got to check the boxes on there's leadership there's marketing there's finance there's you know there's some basic things that you so we definitely cover all of that but we also get very practical and tactical so that so that there are tools there that we can discuss and work through and so kind of the bottom line of what we talked about yesterday was you know are you a visionary or an integrator from that perspective and and also then what's pragmatic about that and how does it work and and the and whether you choose EOS or scaling up or any other system is sort of choose a system yep. <laughs> and invest system in it. and 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 focus on it and if you choose a tool you know another thing we may talk about eventually is things like um crms or, or management tools like you know whether it's a monday.com or a, a asana or io or, or all these lots of opportunities out there okay so they're very similar do your due diligence but pick one and invest everybody in it and invest in the training and get everybody so you're all on the same page and moving in the same track in the same direction. Um, and, and you have accountability, you have coaching, you have ways to communicate with your team um, and to take that entrepreneurial mindset and mentality and focus that amazing energy into things that can be um, not just ideas and not just dreams, but into reality. So this is the point of our school. And I'm so proud of the work we've done already. We graduate our, we have two programs. One's called Mastermind to MBA. So it's, it is exactly what you, what it seems like. It's a mastermind group. It's a, we are kind of a cohort, a forum of, of a tightly group, tight group of people that are all entrepreneurs. We're all students together, going through this together, but we also are on our own journeys. And so we share our experiences and then, and we get an MBA at the end of it, you know, and we want those people to stay together and build that community for themselves. And we want to facilitate that. The other is a one-on-one -on -one program called MBA My Way. And, and there are entrepreneurs. I have a friend who's a celebrity who's kind of interested in it. And is it, it may not be right to be in a group and where you're disclosing a lot of things. We want people to be, feel free to talk, you know, openly about the pros and cons of things going on in their life and have that be confidential or your schedule is just too crazy. So, you know, they may do it with, he and his son may do it. And it's a great product for them because they could do it together. And we have a professor with them designing their course load together, but still doing all of the things you've got to do for the MBA, but then saying, okay, what particularly are you interested in really drilling down on? And what resources can we bring to the table for you to help you grow your business? And this is, this is a, you know, it's a more expensive program. It's a more customized program, bespoke, as they say, but it's, it's a lovely way to MBA. <laughs> it's just... Mm -hmm. And we Both of them sound fascinating to me. You know, um, when I was, you know, when I went to university, um, the one thing that, you know, it, it felt very solo for a lot of the work because a lot of your classmates, you know, if you, know, if you were going to go into business school or law school or wherever you wanted to go, you know, people had their own focus and there wasn't necessarily a lot of collaboration. It was read the material, do the work, submit your assignments. Um, and it wasn't until I joined mastermind groups with entrepreneurs in mm -hmm. particular, because I've done lots of other business classes along the way. But what I what I really love about the entrepreneurial experience when you collaborate and an and MBA and a mastermind sounds intriguing because what you know, when you when you first enter into that world, you think I got all these unique problems in my business and challenges and I'm in the industrial business or I'm in the marketing business. And then you start to meet all these other entrepreneurs and they're like in everything from selling essential oils to building space shuttle i mean you know they're building rockets i mean and everything in between are in my groups and we all have the same issues 
We all have the same issues. They're, you know, they may manifest themselves in different ways, but what's intriguing is you can take something that a company who owns 15 you know, dentist's offices and how they've figured out how to hire, and then if you're smart, from a protocol standpoint, you learn how to adapt that to your business, and you, know, you can magnify and amplify your learning quickly. But there's something about, we all have the same issues with people and processes and data. And so having an operating system and then thinking about the tactics of how we can take great ideas from some other entrepreneur and, and figure out how to apply it to our business is so, it's unlike anything else that you can do. Because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you can't go to your employees and say, the weight of the world is on me. Help me figure it out. I mean, you certainly have a team, but they don't feel the same way about the business, the joys, and the struggles with it. But when you're in a team or when you're in a group with another group of entrepreneurs, it feels like they're your tribe. Yes, yes. Right? It, and it, when you're yes. learning and growing together, there's something almost like a championship team sort of feeling with that group of people that you're winning and succeeding together and you get yeah. to celebrate each other in a unique way and and so I'm super excited to, about what you're doing there because I think it and the fact that, I mean I, I'm doing a lot of that work but I don't get an MBA and I, and I don't you know some parts of it you know, I, I, I've always grew up in both worlds so there's a piece of me intrigued about that and there's a piece of me that says I don't I don't need this I don't need the letters after my name um, yeah. but the you know being able to celebrate a completion of something as opposed to, you know, entrepreneurship tends to be just a, ne a never ending story of a journey. <laughs> right. Um, and, and it's fun, but, you know, ha having a benchmark that says, look what I did is, uh, is really interesting. Well, so uh, that's, this, this is really new, right? It is very new. And entrepreneurs tend to like goals. Uh, we tend to like accomplishments. Right. And so I kind of think it's like a bonus program. If you, to join this, mastermind to MBA program means you you have this mastermind group, you have education and learning and access to experts. And then mm -hmm. at the end of a year, you have an MBA. I mean, mm -hmm. wow. What's, you know, that's- yeah, I, 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 That's a great way to put it. it from, I think for most entrepreneurs, they're not looking for an MBA because they're, you know, I remember this phrase many years ago, you know, I think it was Zig Ziglar said, I got up in the morning and I decided if I give myself a raise or a demotion because there's no, you know, it's not, you don't need an MBA as an entrepreneur to get the raise or to get the promotion because you're the, you're the, you're looking in the mirror and you can decide, but you also get to decide when there's, when you can't write the check to yourself too. Um, yes. But I do think the, um, the idea of a, of a bonus and hitting a goal while you're accomplishing what really matters as well is 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 a really is a really great way to put that together. One of our so, students has two MBAs already. Oh wow! Yeah, he's already had he has two different MBAs from two different schools, and he he's won. done he's done the act, academic business school side, and so now he's got another approach to an MBA. Yeah, yeah. Very very fascinating. <laughs> so Shelby, this has been. Fantastic. I've loved this conversation. I hope you've gotten some value out of it too, because this was a lot of fun <laughs> I love for me. It. This is um, I love talking about this stuff. Uh, how do people reach you? I mean, you've got uh, a few different things going on. So what are the best ways for people to reach out and connect? Well, if you need a good Valentine's present, joyjourney.life. If you want to think about an MBA, you can go to gse.mba. 
And if you want to, you know, if you want to book on civility or something, you could go to shelbyscarborough.com. So any of those things gets back to the same place eventually, probably. <laughs> so there's a lot of fun. Like every entrepreneur, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of fingers and a lot of things, but they all have a common theme. So that's wonderful. They do. My, my pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. Shelby, thank you so much.